The Alaska Powerline podcast is generously supported by GenPack. As a stocking electric utility distributor, GenPack has been taking care of customers in the Pacific Northwest since 1965. With a strong customer focus and dedicated sales staff, they have built lasting relationships by providing quality products with value-added services. Now with a new Anchorage warehouse and a dedicated Alaska sales and support team, GenPack is ready to take care of their Alaska customers for years to come. Visit them at www.genpack.com for more information. GenPack, taking care of our customers since 1965. Welcome to Alaska Powerline, the podcast of Alaska Power Association, the statewide trade association for electric utilities in Alaska. On Alaska Powerline, we talk about issues facing Alaska's electric utilities, interview a wide range of guests, and demystify what it takes to provide power in the last frontier. Welcome back to the Alaska Powerline podcast. I'm Michael Ravito, Deputy Director of Alaska Power Association. We're very excited today to be joined on the pod by one of the people who really do keep the lights on, Golden Valley Electric Association journeyman lineman Joe Wagner. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Morning. How are you doing, Mike? Very well. Very well. How are you today? Uh, doing great. The power's on and there's no disasters you're dealing with right now? At the moment, no. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, hopefully uh, things will go well for this podcast here. So so you're, you're a lineman and, and you know, I, I think a lot of people... They they know what alignment is. They they hear well not not the football player variety, but the the electric system variety. But for those who are listening, can you just describe kind of what is alignment? What does alignment do? Well, the utility alignment where I work at, we basically maintain power to the customers. You know, and that even you know goes as far as like if the lights are flickering inside the house or they have half power just anything going wrong at all we usually show up to try to check things out on that aspect of it and as well as doing a new construction here and there also but uh we also have contractors uh their linemen they do a lot of the longer tabs newer construction upgrades and just kind of keep maintaining the system so it's kind of a, a jack of all trades type things it sounds like Pretty much. It's nice. We get, you know, we all have our CDL. We get to drive tractor trailers. We operate our own equipment. We don't have to hire anything out. So we kind of do it all. Now, so how did you get into it exactly? How did you decide upon this career path? And what sort of training did you have to go through to become somebody who works around high voltage power lines and in pretty dangerous situations? Well, back when I'm, I think I was 20, 21, I didn't, really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And a couple of my friends were telling me about, oh, hey, man, you should check out line work. It's really cool. And looked into it, signed up, and uh, it actually took about a year before I got an interview because there is just a long waiting list. And got in, got interviewed, and went to work a few months later and uh, did four years through the apprenticeship program. Three years of it was in school for about two and the rest of it was on-the-job training. So you're, it's, it's not, I mean, is it a lot of sitting in class activity or is there some of that or is it mostly out in the field with with more seasoned folks when you're starting out? Um, every apprentice gets to go around to the different contractors and stuff and it's most of it is on the job training out in the field. Very little of it is in the classroom, like I said, just for those two months out of uh, three separate years throughout that four-year apprenticeship. You're in a classroom doing book work, working on vectors electricity you know power factors and just a lot of different uh variables that go into 
my figuring out power. So it sounds like for somebody who's kind of thinking about what they want to do, but they don't want to be sitting in the classroom for two, three, four, five years. They like to be outdoors and really working. Lineman is is that is really that job right there. Oh yeah, as long as you're not scared of heights or electricity, you're good to go. Yeah, those are two important things. Don't be scared of heights or electricity. So, <laughs> so when you were starting out, I guess, uh, and you were apprenticing, um, that's obviously before you become a journeyman. So, is there, um, you know, some sort of like a, a test you have to take to become a journeyman, or do you just ascend to that that level with with your experience as an apprentice, or how does that go? After you complete your on-the-job training, which is 8,000 hours, and your three years of school, which totals about 1,000 hours, and you do take a journeyman test, you have to get a 70% or better to pass in order to get your journeyman ticket. Okay, and then that that kind of clears you to – does that allow you to do more things as a journeyman, or, or how? Do, what's the difference between a journeyman and an apprentice? Honestly, that's where the learning really starts. I mean, you you're an apprentice for four years – and you're working under somebody and you're taking notes and trying to remember certain things. And then once you get that journeyman card, you can have an apprentice under you right away. And then it's like, okay, now you're the teacher. Now you have to watch out for this guy, you know, make sure everybody goes home at night for some of the work that we do. Yeah. That's that's in, So it's almost like your responsibilities have been heightened um, in a lot of different ways. Not only do you have more seniority, but then you're responsible for someone who's, who's also learning. Oh, yeah. And then you're expected to know what to do when it comes to just the minor basics of being a lineman and uh, as well as watching out for just not only just an apprentice, but for other journeymen. You know, we're always constantly communicating, watching out for each other and, you know, making sure the job goes safe. So how many years have you been a journeyman now? I've been journeyman for almost 16 years now. 16. So you've probably seen a lot of apprentices come through and, and uh, have you seen... Um, you know, the, the pipeline of apprentices, has it been pretty steady over the years? Has it declined? I mean, what's, what's the workforce looking like out there? It seems like it's coming waves. You know, we had quite a few at one point and then it died down. And then it also depends on who actually, you know, can cut it to stay. I believe at one point we had 10 apprentices in the program and then that dropped down to four within a year. So it just depends on, I mean, we could have as many apprentices as anybody else or applicants. It just depends on if they can really deal with the work or if it's something they just don't really like. Yeah, I guess you, so, find, you probably find that out pretty quickly when, once you get into the program, if it's something that you want to do or not do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, some people just, it's just too much to have somebody else's life in their hands. And that's what it comes down to quite a bit. But, you know, the work itself is you know, got your adrenaline going quite a bit at the time, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. I was going to just to take a little side path here. I mean that, what is that like out there? Cause it, linemen, you know, I, and I'm, I'm not a lineman myself, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like all of you work in groups. So you're kind of watching each other's backs all the times. Is there, what's the safety process? I mean, generally when, when you go out on a job or you, uh, is, is there somebody assigned to take the lead and keep an eye on things or how does that go just to make sure everyone's safe when they're out there working? A lot of times that depends on what you're doing. Um, if you're like at the utility, if you're going to string a service up to a, a new customer, it's two guys only need to go to that one. And if you're replacing some equipment up on the pole, depending on what it is, it's three or four guys. And yes, you always have an observer on the ground. Everybody's constantly talking in the air. And there's even the reminder that, you know, hey, it's hot up there is usually our go-to. And it's like, okay, cool, thanks. It's just always constant reminders as well as just having a conversation. 
So when you say hot, I would imagine you mean that the ele- the power line is energized, right? Yes. Yeah. That's just our lingo of, hey, it's hot. Hey, it's 100% energized. Okay. You know? so, even, even when and, it's 40 below, it's probably still hot up when in the power line is, is energized. Oh, yeah. Oh, even hotter for sure. But, uh, you know, just it's a reminder to keep our hands down, to keep, you know, head up, hands down, to keep our tails wire in the clear, just, you know, and all that good stuff. Yeah. Now, it, kind of back on, on the initial conversation we we're having about coming up as a lineman, uh, I, I kind of wondered, you know, like if somebody goes to, a, say, like a university, they're paying the university thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to do that. But when you're in lineman training, is it a big out-of-pocket expense to to take that training? Or As I understand it, when you're an apprentice, I mean, you're making pretty good wages while you're an apprentice as well, right? Oh, yeah. It just depends on how good with money you are. You know, if, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you know when you're going to school, so you have to just save up for a couple of months and you can collect unemployment when you're in school because it's a union training. And, uh, you know, just, yeah, as long as you're good with your money, you know, it's – it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that then that applies to a lot of different things in life too. I think so. As long as you as long as you manage things well, Let, let's get into a little bit. I don't know if there is an average day for a lineman, but is there like I mean, can you give us a sense of kind of like what you do on a daily basis when you uh, clock into work there at Golden Valley? Yeah, for us, we usually clock in and get a handout of a few different jobs by our uh, superintendent and. Then we head on out with, like I said, anywhere from two to four guys, whether we're doing pole straightening or, you know, hanging a new transformer and a new service. We're always getting new customers. You know, we got to hook meters up and all that. Um, but uh, most of it's maintenance. Services and maintenance, I would say, are the top two. When it comes to maintenance, it there's a long list of stuff that we do for maintenance. And just depending just, on what we find. And that's just keeping things kind of, I mean, just like any other mechanical system, things need updating and they need fixed. Maybe they need just some sort of TLC and just to keep the system working properly. Yeah. We show up to where, you know, we have broken insulators that are just being hung up by, you know, a hot conductor and there's ways to safely uh, replace stuff like that. And, um, you know, whether it's tree in the primary, like I said, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to think lately we've been coming up a lot of uh, broken cutouts. They're just an insulated uh, fuse link that are for like a uh, single phase taps where you basically go from four wires to two wires on the overhead for the high voltage. Um, a lot of times like the older style porcelain, they have hairline cracks in them and eventually fall over or break or what we've been having lately in the rain is the pole tops catch on fire. Mm. Mm. So what, what has to happen in that situation? How do you remedy that? Um, thankfully, the line basically opens up. It's called, it de-energizes because it senses a fault with the hot phases between each other or the ground. And so 99% of the time we show up, it's already de-energized and we just have fire extinguishers on all the trucks and the proper safety you know, essentials and equipment that we always need. And just go put the fire out, see if there's any repairs that need to be made. Obviously, repair whatever was broken that caused it, and then put the line back uh, in service. Now, when you're out on, on a job, I'm trying to think of like, I mean, you said there's a lot of communication that goes on. Are you are you communicating by uh, radios? Do you have like earpieces? Are you talking by cell phone? Or how do you, how do you communicate between not only each other, but how do you talk to the folks back at the dispatch? 
or you know, somebody back at headquarters you might need to speak to? Is that radio? Is that cell phone these days? How does that work? That's uh, all radio with dispatch. Um, and when we're doing, like I said, when we're doing three or four man work, usually we call in a dispatch. Hey, this is truck number, you know, three hundred, and we tell them whatever feeder we're log we are working on and our location and what we're doing. And there's also something called single shot where we can put a certain feeder in uh, non reclose or single shot where if there is a fault, it will only fault one time and then open up where normally if people see their lights blinking like three or four times and then the lights stay on, that means that there was a tree somewhere that was causing that reclosure to kick on and off multiple times before the fault cleared or there's a problem on a separate uh, source of, off of that backbone of that feeder. So it seems like, I mean, a system like Golden Valley where you work, that that's a pretty, as Alaska goes, you know, our systems are rather long and, you know, they go in a lot of remote areas, but with very few people. How exactly do you make sure that things are operating properly when you have so much line and so much, you know, a kind of wilderness area goes through. Are you patrolling these lines pretty regularly? Is that something the linemen do or is that something that another crew does? How does that work? Once a year, we try to get out and patrol as much as we can. And um, a lot of times we find a few things that have been there, you know, for quite some time. But uh, usually once a year, we patrol what we can for all the main three phase, which is all the backbone coming out of the substations for sure. And as much single phase as we can. And uh, we're, there's always a better system out there for, you know, in-house on how to record and patrol and, you know, the way we go about that. But uh, we try to do the best we can as well as communicate with the public. They, uh, public is getting a lot better about either using, Facebook or trying to get a hold of our dispatch, waiting on the phone for a half an hour through an automated system is no fun for anybody. But they stay on and, you know, we locate a lot of trees, especially during outages or, you know, when they're out walking their dog, they see something, they call it in. So public always can help out too. Yeah, that's interesting where, you know, us members of the public who aren't trained, but we can definitely spot when something's wrong. I mean, if you see a pine tree laying on a power line first of all don't approach it i guess right is the number one thing but you, you you could call i mean to to they call the utility or is it okay i mean if somebody saw the power line sparking i mean maybe do you call 911 too can 911 relay that or how how would what would you do um a lot of people try to call 911 right off the bat because they're you know it's right behind their house they want their house or land to catch on fire and I think they direct them to us, but uh, best thing to probably do is to try to call Golden Valley ourselves, obviously, to keep nine one one respond. Uh, you know, lines open. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So I was wondering, you know, before I was when I was thinking about this interview and, and talking to a lineman, which I've rarely ever spoken to a lot of linemen since as long as I've worked at APA, but it's it was something I should change. Line man, not line mans, I should say. Um, I was thinking, you know, this last winter was harsh, harsh winter in, in multiple parts of the state. So when we're sitting there in my house, cozy under the blankets by the fire and the power goes out, you guys are, you guys are rolling. What is that like? I mean, if it's the middle of the night and there's a horrible winter storm and, and power goes out and you get the call, I mean, what, what goes through your head and, and what do you do? I mean, what's, what is that like? Well, thankfully we can kind of see it coming. So it's not like, 
you know, a big surprise. Um, if we see like a big storm brewing or, you know, we're expecting a lot of snowfall or in case your guys' case, I think it was a lot of rain, freezing rain last year. But we just kind of like mentally get ready to go. And like, okay, I'm not going to be home for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, every situation is different, whether it's a summer storm or a winter storm. We've had, we had both of them last year. And uh, you just, you show up to a job, you see what needs to get done. You get done as much as possible. And uh, then you move on to the next one. And when I say as much as possible, because most of the time we have such a widespread system, all of our crews are like two man crews. We go out, we fix what we can, we do what we can. And then if we have like a string of broken poles and you need a heavy crew to come in and then they get a hold of somebody who's got four or five guys and they do pole replacements all day. The time flies by. You can never keep track of anything. Um, you know, come home, sleep for a few hours, take a shower, go back to work. That's just the way it is until everybody gets restored. Yeah, so I was, I was thinking, did, did you, uh, last winter, I think, or maybe it was the December of 22, I think the Golden Valley Service Territory had that. It was like rain, then snow, then rain, or, or some some sort of calamitous weather. Did you work that situation? Oh, yeah. I was out working when it kind of started, and then it didn't stop. Well, the outages didn't stop for a week. That was pretty intense. I've never seen any weather like it. Um, I think it was about two inches of rain where we were every road was glare ice we had to wear put chains on our uh, utility truck you know you got a twenty thousand pound truck rolling down the road at 25 30 miles an hour with chains on you know 45 miles out of town um it just tends to create carnage when we got that freezing rain all the trees bend over right over the power lines Mm -hmm. you know and uh we're busy for quite some time and it was like that for you know like you were saying it yeah after it rained it froze and then we had a foot and a half of snow and all the snow machines and stuff that we had were pretty useless. Mm. They, you know, you basically needed mountain sleds to get around and do what you had to do. So what, what what's going through your head at that, that point when you're working a, a, a situation like that and you know, people, I mean, I think people are generally reasonable when there's a, a big storm, they realize that if the power goes out, there's, you know, there's a, there's a darn good reason why that power's out and that people are out there working on it, but what's going through your mind as you're out there in the elements trying to get that put back together? Well, for example, that rain, snow, and (laughs) first thing I thought was like, man, this sucks. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, uh, we had to snowshoe quite a bit of places and we, we found ways to get it on. We found ways to do what we had to do. We just had to do it differently. You know, you have to, you know, approach everything the same with a different outcome you know, in a different way of putting everything back together. Uh, mostly we have trees that either burn the lines down or break pull tops or cross arms. And we just have to make some minor repairs. But when a heavy, heavy snowfall like that, you can expect carnage in a few places, but you know, thankfully most of it, the wire is pretty strong. So yeah. a tree falls in the wire. A lot of times it'll kick open a tap fuse, not break anything. You cut it out and you're good to go. But yeah, sometimes the elements really suck. Just, just like a lot of jobs, you know. But you just gotta, you know, this is what you signed up for. So right. you gotta do it. And, and when when you're out there in a in a winter storm situation and it's really really cold, 
I mean, I would imagine just like any physical activity, you're probably generating body heat as you're working. But is, are you, is, I mean, with, can you dress in a, in a manner that allows you mobility, but keeps you warm? Or has there been some advancements over the years in terms of the gear you wear? And, and how does that play out so that you're actually, you know, somewhat comfortable? I don't think you can be a hundred percent comfortable while you're out there, but comfortable enough that you, you're not in misery while you do this. Layers, layers is the best way to go. You know, mm-hmm. you always have a good pair of, uh, you know, insulated long underwear and do a couple long sleeve shirts and a jacket and usually good to go. Like you said, you create enough body heat to where you're at that point where you're almost sweating, but obviously that wouldn't be good. Yeah. And you, you know, I, you always carry extra clothes. I mean, you take precautions and you can always run back to the shop to change, you know, if you're soaking wet and, you know, we always got extra clothes and stuff we keep during storms over at our shop. That way, you know, you can get nice and dry for a quick five minutes and, and head back out it seems like with with everything you do probably safety is the number one priority so if i mean safety probably comes before putting the power back on because you don't want anyone to get injured or 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 worse you know but to get the power back on and so is that i mean safety on your mind at all times while you're out there i would imagine oh yeah i mean we uh we've had there's always going to be close calls you know whether you're you know whatever profession that you are in um but our safety department, I got a hats off to it because whatever we need, we get, especially when it comes to safety. And if there's something that, you know, we need, if we need, if we're fixing a problem and there's something else we need to do to make it safer, nobody's going to blink an eye, especially if you have to open up a feeder, let's say like 1500 people, Hey, need you to open up this, you know, Casolic B4. It's like, well, why? Well, because I said, so we got to get this done. And sometimes it's, you know, very minimal talk and they do what's asked because we would never ask something like that unless we absolutely needed it. Yeah. But, well, I, I know from my, from my opinion and most reasonable opinion, I I'm happy to have my power off for a little while. If it means people can go home safe to their families at night and, you know, not, yeah. not get injured out there. So, well, let, let's, let's switch gears just a little bit here. So you've been in the profession for quite a while. What sort of changes have you seen since you first came on board as a lineman and to today? I mean, has there been great advancements in the gear, the equipment you use, or the approaches you take? What, what's changed? Um, a lot of the gear, a lot of the gear, the tools, and uh, even you know the FR clothing. I mean, that didn't get big. I think till like six years ago. No, that's FR is fire. Ago, fire like that. Is that fire resistant clothing? Uh, like. Honestly, I think it's like flame retardant okay. more than fire resistant because it's still, you know, tree coals can still burn right through it, but it's just supposed to not melt your skin if you if there's a big arc flash in front of you. Um, and then the belts, all that has changed. Some the climbing hooks are the same. The belts you have to be have uh, be belted off at all times, and you also have a butt, what's called a buck squeeze in case you ever were to start falling if your hooks were to cut out. It'll catch you on the pole. That's changed. It used to be just a belt. It just goes right around the pole. And um, a lot of the equipment, you got equipment that has a lot of great features on it when it comes to like diggers or two-man buckets. And um, like at our utility specifically, when I first got there, we had one single-man bucket. And now every crew has a single-man bucket along with, uh, we have three two-man buckets to choose from and four diggers. And like I said, when it comes to the other safety equipment and stuff like that, we have all tested and newer, what's called like a shotgun or hot sticks, 
that we use to actually touch and control live line uh, mechanicals. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot, everything, it seems like everything is kind of upgraded in a good way. I per not really prefer the buck squeezes and all that stuff, but you know, you get used to it because when change comes, you either have to find a new profession or deal with it. So yeah, that, that's interesting. I have a poster in my office that shows kind of the phases of lineman gear from, you know, like early 1900s through present day. And definitely in the early 1900s, they were just winging it with like leather caps and, you know, maybe some buckskin boots or something, but it, it did not seem very yeah. safe back then. Yeah. I mean, even from like where you click in your belt to your D-rings, they have a uh, double safety lock on there. So it can't accidentally push up against if you're climbing a pole and it pushes up like against a telephone wire or something like that and it opens up, it now has a double snap where you have to press the back of it and then push the front of it to open up that hook to go onto your D-ring. And that's one of the things that changed right when I got in 15, 20 years ago and because uh, a buddy of mine was not happy about that. Yeah. Huh. So, so things change, get a little safer. I think we're probably learning from maybe incidents in the past. And can you talk about, I've heard this term before. I'm not sure if you use them, but they have automatic crimpers now or mechanical crimpers. I've heard this term before. So you're not having to put a lot of force down with your own hand. How does that work? Um, I think that's something, that's one of the differences between Anchorage and Fairbanks. Mm -hmm. Anchorage uses something called a lot of H taps. And I think that's, uh, what you're referring to, but anytime you get a crimper and we do use some battery operated ones, you know, like for underground, uh, splices or overhead splices and uh, i mean anything that you can take the physical effort out of it to make it quicker just as good of a crimp and you know it doesn't take any safety factor out of it it basically you know produces you know less time for the same amount of work yeah it seems like maybe there's a whole that whole like work smarter not harder phrase right if you can less yep. wear and tear in the body a little quicker out there use a little bit of technology to figured out what about drones have you have you guys have you looked into the, are you are you line workers using drones up there to inspect lines is that coming to the fore you know we there was a few of us that got certified to operate drones up on power lines and stuff um one of them is somebody who's certified all year round personally and so he does any and all drone work that we ever need we did come up on a phase where you know guys thought that'd be pretty cool we just never really dove into it <laughs> But uh, there, t there is talk about hiring out companies that would fly out our entire line and patrol it, mm -hmm. you know, instead of us going out and doing it. Um, I mean, some of the terrain and stuff we got is pretty brutal, but, you know, we've done it before. It just might make it quicker and safer and easier, and that way they can do it in the fall or the spring and see uh, anything that we got to do. I actually just heard something about that last week. Yeah, I've been to some trade shows and, and seeing the new drones that they have for line inspection work. And I, I know for a fact they're not your Kmart drone, that's for sure. They are pretty fancy deals that can go very far and, and have all sorts of the high-definition cameras on them and all and all that sort of stuff. And I've, I've also seen them inspect, you know, they've been using drones to inspect like hurricane damage and states that are hit by hurricanes. It seems like a, a quicker way to get out there and kind of get a big picture view of what's going on. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's pretty crazy how far the drone world has come. Um, the other thing that's pretty tough that we didn't really like is that you have to be, and I don't know how it goes with anybody else that's got a drone license, but you have to be, I think, in view of your drone the whole time. You can't just 
trust the camera and let it right. fly everywhere. But I don't know how if that's going to change, you know, rules like that. I, I think it's more of an FAA rule for uh, aircraft. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see because as you, as you said, things have been changing over the years. And so as, as you know, the, the future comes on here, you get new technology and made new ways of doing things. Well, Joe, in the, in the few minutes we have left here, I just wondered as a member of the public, me, the member of the public, what would you want people to know when they're, you know, they're at home hanging out, doing the thing, and then the power goes out? I mean, what do you want folks to know about what's going on the other side, what the utility is doing in terms of getting that power back on? Well, I guess from start to finish, uh, just don't hesitate to call because you might be the only person out. You know, mm-hmm. we've had people that like, you know, we show up and they didn't realize they were the only person out of power. They always thought somebody else must have called in. So don't uh, take that for granted. Um, look around, see if anybody else's lights are on. If it's, you know, dark out, that'll be pretty obvious. But uh, make sure that try to make sure you're not the only one out of power for one. And uh, don't hesitate to call for basically anything and everything. We'll come out and help out in any way, shape, or form. And just uh, if you ever find a tree or something like that, don't be a hero. Leave it alone. Yeah. We actually had that happen a uh, few years back where somebody was trying to help us out, and they thought it was a dead line. And it was an energized line, and tree was on the phase. Um, the hot with the phase meaning the high-voltage line. Mm-hmm. So that didn't turn out too fortunate for them. So if you see something, you know, give great directions, a good location, and it'll help us out to be a lot quicker. You know, um, the one thing that we also try to steer customers clear of is don't like every person wave us down and say, Hey, do you know when the power's going to be back on? Because you do that. (laughs) Like we always think somebody has information. So we stop and like, Hey, how's it going? And that just slows us down trying to get the power back on. So, you know, I think it's great that you're wondering when your power is going to be back on, but, uh, you know, it just kind of keeps us from doing our job. So patience is key. And like I said, just if you see something, call it in and give like great directions, you know, especially in Alaska where sometimes the, uh, you know, the maps aren't so great or the, the place might be kind of remote. It's good to say, you know, look for the orange cone strapped to the pine tree and take a right or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we have some people that call in and just like, oh, no, I don't live there. I live at this address, but I just saw it over there. It's like, then it's nowhere near there. And then, you know, it's it would almost be better off if we just kind of did things the way we normally do and just patrol from the tap out. Yeah. But, so bottom line, I think, is when the power's out, you just got to know that people like Joe Wagner and his crew, they're out there rolling. They know about it. They're going to go fix it. But you got to have a little bit of patience, let these guys do their job, essentially. 100%. Well, Joe, it's been a it's been a real pleasure talking to you. I wish we had more time, but uh, we'll have to we'll have to do an extended version of the uh, Lineman podcast one of these days. So, appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much, and be careful out there. Be safe. Thank you, sir. Yeah, not a problem. Appreciate to be here. So, we've been talking with Joe Wagner, journeyman lineman at Golden Valley Electric Association. You've been listening to the Alaska Powerline podcast, and we'll see you back on the next episode. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>